When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance on this fascinating Thursday. There's a lot going on. Major baseball moves yesterday. Basketball's in-season tournament. Best NFL weekend of the year. We've got it covered from every direction. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. We actually could have had three places to start today, but I've chosen two to begin, and then we'll get Hembo in here, and we'll do baseball and the Juan Soto trade coming up in a few minutes. But we can talk basketball and football and just life in general with two of my all-time favorites, our buddies Harry Douglas and Jay Williams, good enough to stick around after we wrap up, get up today. Harry, another spirited edition of That Boy Bad, which I thought, which has, has, has taken the country by storm. And I, I'm just appreciative of all the people that have gotten on board that shows that boy bad some love. It's, it's crazy, Greeny. I'm at the SEC championship game, and I'm in the press box, and the first thing people want to talk to me about is that boy bad. I'm walking around the stadium in the Caesar Superdome in New Orleans, uh, and that's, the, that's what people are yelling to me. So it's been a privilege to be able to ride this uh, – uh, roller coaster that we've been on, a good roller coaster, a roller coaster that we actually want to ride. It's a roller coaster that only goes up. That's in right. This case so far, yep. it continues yep. going up. What do you think, Jay? Can I take it to another level? I Please. mean, it's also awkward when people stop me in the airport and they're just randomly pelvic thrusting me. <laughs> um, so, you know, just on, on, a, on another note, you know, it's a little bit challenging, but. Cheers to you, brother, for creating a movement. I see Appreciate you. Appreciate it, man. I see you. It's an experience that I've never had. Uh, let's, let's dive into all this. Uh, you know, we, we can, and, and for those who don't know, I mean, Harry's brother played in the NBA for yes, a really long time and still plays overseas. So Harry knows as much about basketball as just about anybody you know. This in-season tournament, Jay, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. It's something that Adam Silver has been talking about for years. And, of course, I was connected with the NBA on the shows for a couple of years, as were you. And I never really fully understood what it was. I, I never grasped the vision of it. Now that we've seen it, we've all seen what it looked like. We've all seen what it felt like. And now well, the culmination of it, which I think it's all been building to, we have the two semifinal games tonight and then the championship game on Saturday night on ABC, which could wind up being the Lakers and the Bucks, Bucks. which could yep. easily wow. be a, a preview of the NBA finals. How would you assess what this NBA in-season tournament has been? Oh, it's been an incredible success. I remember four years ago, Greeny, I was talking to a a couple of vets in the league, and we were talking about the decision around the in-season tournament, you know, um, IST. And all of us kind of agreed with media rights deals that were coming up that the the thought of creating more inventory, right, around the NBA season, considering Mm -hmm. how they, you know, how they were going to position, you know, the the end-of-season tournament, you know, the play-in tournament, were just things to sell advertising against, but also, Greeny, like these storylines. We had some of the best storylines mm-hmm. in all of sports. Like basketball storylines carried throughout the offseason, the summertime. I mean, Greeny, think about when we launched Get Up. Yeah. How busy were we that summer with Kawhi Leonard? I mean, yeah. we, we literally had a camera on him flying into Toronto, into different places, talking about all of his offseason moves. I mean, so this just gives us more storylines to lean into. And if we get LeBron James... 
versus Giannis. Mm. In the in-season cup tournament where guys have something to play for, think about how that carries a through thread throughout the rest of the regular season. Well, yeah, that, that, that's yeah. why I want to keep it, though, because yeah. you look at the megastars in the NBA and how those guys have – got drawn towards the in-season tournament and how they view it, right? It's not, oh, man, we got to play an in-season tournament. Uh, I'm not going to go. I'm going to go half-ass. No, they're full throttle. And for the final four teams to be the Milwaukee Bucks, right? And then you look at the Indiana Pacers, which is a solid story with Tyrese Halliburton and the way he's playing this year. But then you look at Zion and company and the New Orleans Pelicans and then LeBron. No one is bigger than LeBron James. I think it's been a phenomenal piece. And I'm with you, Greeny. I didn't understand it at first. But now we see the success of it, and I think it can be even better in years uh, moving forward. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, everything they've done with this can be adjusted. I mean, there are no hard, fast rules, but I think so far it's been good. If, if you have found the games more compelling than others, great. If you haven't, they would have been played anyway. So I, I think this was something that had no downside now that I fully understand what it looks like, and we'll see. Zion Williamson's an interesting piece of this to me too, Jay, because – like Zion came in with practically unprecedented hype. Before, before we made everything in the world about Victor Wembanyama, it had been about Zion. Remember Shoegate? Remember when he busted out of his, shoe, of his shoe, of his shoe in that game? And, and look, he got more attention. That team with him and RJ and those guys got more attention. You were here doing it every single day with us. Got more attention than any college basketball team maybe since the Fab Five. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Zion, because he just has not played that much, has been largely overlooked. But what gets missed in that is that when he plays, he's unbelievable, and they almost always win. He is a wrecking ball. Yeah. You know, and, and when he's available – it's it's different style of play. So I, I will say this: as much as you know, people can look forward to the Cup final. That is LeBron James versus Giannis. The the best matchup, and I'm talking about matchup because mm-hmm. I LeBron would try to guard LeBron, uh, LeBron would try to guard Giannis, but their skill sets are so different, right? Keeping Giannis out of the paint, but the skill sets are the most similar. LeBron and Zion Williamson. I mean, Zion Williamson is an alternative version of LeBron James. Think about how he bullies his way to the bucket. Think about how they're utilizing him as a point forward, his passing ability. Think about the athleticism and how they're comparable to where LeBron James was when he first came into the league compared to where Zion was. Obviously, there's an injury history, but the way they play with him, and also think about the storyline of Brendan Ingram used to play with the Lakers. The Lakers let go of Brendan Ingram. So Herb Jones, the style and the players in which they have Willie Green and how he coaches on that style of floor is very unique and different. That's going to be the matchup of the matchups this evening. Ingram scores 24 points a game. Zion averages 22.5 points a game. He shoots 57% from the floor. Really interesting. So we look forward to that tonight. So we've got the basketball piece of it covered. Let's do some football as well. And, Jay, will you'll be in on that as well. Clearly, Dallas and Philly, yeah. uh, Harry, is the matchup that you'll be there, right? You're going to Dallas? Yeah, I'm actually going out there on, on, on Saturday, going back home for a few days to spend with my kids, and yeah. I'm going to head on down to Dallas. Oh, because Harry loves the kids. I do. Harry loves the kids. <laughs> Harry loves the kids. <laughs> um, but but – that game is absolutely the season for Dallas. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this further yesterday. Yep. If the Cowboys don't win on Sunday night, then for all intents and purposes, they have no chance of winning the division, which means no matter what the circumstances are, they will have to go through both San Francisco and Philly on the road to get mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl. I would describe their chances of accomplishing that in the playoffs as practically zero. So if this is going to finally be the year... Yep. 
that Jerry's team breaks through, they have to do it Sunday night. No, 100%. I think one of the things that's imperative in this matchup is for Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy, and CeeDee Lamb, figure out how to get CeeDee Lamb the football, and also Jake Ferguson in the middle of the field. Jake Ferguson in the first matchup had seven catches, 91 yards, and then you look at what CeeDee Lamb was able to do, 191 yards, but Eli Ricks is the slot corner, and I believe he's the fish of that defense. I don't think anybody on that defense outside of Darius Slay, he might be able to can guard CeeDee Lamb one-on-one. So if you don't put Darius Slay on CeeDee Lamb in the slot, what's your plan if you're Philadelphia? And I think for Dallas defensively, first down production is imperative. And, and I thought the Kansas City Chiefs in the first half did a great job of that versus the Philadelphia Eagles winning first down. Uh, their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, had a great plan. Hey, we're going to blitz them on first down so we can have the positive plays and not the Philadelphia Eagles because when they get into second and five, mm-hmm. a third and two and one, you know two plays are coming. It happened to Dallas in the first matchup. On that first drive, Philly, Philly was able to you know uh, convert two fourth down conversions that later ended up being a touchdown to Gainwell on the right side of the uh, football field. So right. I think first down production is imperative for the Dallas Cowboys defensively. Greeny, what's the latest update on Mike McCarthy? He, he had acute appendicitis, yeah, right, and had, yeah. to, had to be rushed into um, – the, the last the, I had seen, the expectation was that he will be there will for be the there. game on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. I will look into that as you make your point. Okay, so there's two spins for it. And I'll leave all the scouting report and details to, to H because he's great at that. But for me, it's all about a defining moment. Right. And for a guy like Mike McCarthy, you let Kellen Moore go. Okay, Mm -hmm. you get to this critical moment. Dak is having an incredible year. Right. We're we're talking about what this team is able to accomplish. And you're saying, all right, this is a defining moment, a a make or break season for a guy like Mike McCarthy. You have a guy in Dan Quinn who's been waiting there on the sideline. And by the way, if Mike McCarthy is out and Dan Quinn finds a way to coach and wins that game, it just kind of sets up for more fuel. These are all things that I feel like work against the Cowboys. And if the Cowboys are able to win it with those things working against them, H.C., that's a, those are moments where you get a chance to see the true soul of what a team is built upon to go to the next level. But those are the things that those, those bigger storylines are what I pay attention to. Well, I will say this, too. For Dallas, after they played Philly the first time, they had a lot of confidence even in the loss. And I'm not the person that believes in moral victories, but everyone in that Dallas Cowboys organization, they felt like they were the better team that day. Now, honestly, they were the better team. Philly just found a way to win. Now it's now getting over that hump. How, how, how do we actually get there? Because I believe this team has an all-time high confidence right now. They just got to go out there and get that win versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Like Greeny said, if they don't win this game, they're not going to be in contention for the number one seed. They're not going to be in contention for the NFC East. And then you will have to probably go on the road to beat Philly and San Fran. That's not happening. I don't see that happening. Yeah. I, mean, I really don't. I, I give them almost no chance. Here's the latest that I have. This is from overnight. Mike McCarthy underwent successful surgery yesterday, five days before the biggest game of the season. After being diagnosed with an acute case of appendicitis, he experienced abdominal pain Wednesday morning. He had the procedure, was expected to be released from the hospital later Wednesday, so that's Mm -hmm. yesterday, and anticipates coaching Sunday. The defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, said, quote, you really think that tough Irishman is going to miss this game? We're certainly anticipating him being back. So that's obviously great. It is also just a reminder of just the maniacal schedule that these football people keep. I mean, he's a 60-year-old man who had some sort of surgery on his appendix yesterday, just got in and got out as quickly as he could so that he could be out there coaching a game on Sunday. It's just 
that's something that the normal person would obviously miss <laughs> several days of work in order to recover from some sort of appendix surgery. I don't know if it was an if, if he had an appendectomy. It yeah. doesn't say. It's a monster, though, Greeny. Still, yeah. like you have to do it. I when, get it. When you're but doing I mean, something, that's just not a healthy way to live. Right? I know, but like when you're doing something your entire life, and Jay, you know this, like. As former athletes, we're wired so differently. Mm-hmm. Things normally that people would, you know, sit out for or, or not do because of a surgery or uh, sickness or something, we're not wired like that. Like, we're built to mentally be tough and, and figure, figure a way out. Well, it's something that Jason Kidd once told me about, you know, whenever you hear athletes or coaches complain about real-life issues, you always say, Nobody cares, Jay Will. Yeah. Nobody cares. What they care about are results. In the world that we yep. live in, HD, no excuses. That's right. So, like, once again, when your job is on the line, when you remove somebody to take on play-calling responsibilities, when this is one of those teams that give you the best shot to win a Super Bowl, right, you got a guy in Jerry Jones who wants to win one more than ever. When you have a great D.C. on the sideline who has turned down jobs, multiple jobs to stay there, the pressure is on, and this is when you have to show up. Absolutely. So we touch on the tournament. Don't forget that the all the action is on ESPN Radio today. It starts at 4.30 Eastern, coast-to-coast coast on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. The commissioner, Adam Silver, will be interviewed on ESPN Radio between games one and two. So we're looking forward to all of that. And then one more football point. You heard the whole Josh Allen debate, Jay Will, this morning on Get Up, and I felt like you were itching to get in it. I'll give you 60 seconds to give us your thought. I, I just look. I, God forbid we talk about nuances in, in sports, right? So, and I, I get it. But to what you know, Harry was talking about, there is, I, I don't question the talent of Josh Allen at all. What I do question is the decision-making in critical times. And to me, Greeny, we live in a world where nobody cares what you do in the regular season. What we care are results. Can you win a Super Bowl? And we have everybody on that measure. Everybody, Joe Burrow's on that measure. Everybody's, Jalen Hurts is on that measure. Everybody's on that measure. Doesn't mean that they can't be great. But we compare greatness to how you perform in the biggest moments. And until this, Josh Allen has had moments where we've seen him become small. I want to see him be big in big moments. Greeny, I had one in the holster that I didn't use. Let me hear it. But we take it back to the playoff game last year versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Joe Burrow gets the ball first. They go down to score. It's 7 nothing. The first third down play, I believe it was third and four, that the Bills had. Stephon Diggs is wide open for a touchdown. Josh Allen missed the throw. Right? You, Joe Burrow gets the ball back. They go up 14 nothing, Just like in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Can't miss it. So we may not like it, but I can tell you, you know, Jay Wright, another great example. You know how much pressure Jay Wright had on him at Villanova to win? We say, oh, he's the coach that just can't get one. And then he got multiple. And right. like, he's one of the greatest coaches to ever do it. That's how quick it can change. Right. You got to get it done. Peyton was that, too. I mean, yes. Peyton Manning was that way, too. He was the guy who couldn't win a playoff game. He was 0-3 in the playoffs. And then, obviously, all of that changes when he gets it done. Guys, you're the best. Jay Will, thank you. So good to see you. Harry, uh, you continue to be that boy bad and, uh, and, and that much more. <laughs> hey, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle rv boat atv and more all your protection in one place bundle and save at progressive.com a trade that could change everything on the way on espn radio passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Obviously, uh, huge news coming from all across the world of sports. we got the NBA in-season tournament. Awesome. We have the best weekend of the NFL season. Awesome. And then, as the music would indicate, we had the monster trade that we've all been waiting for in baseball and Hembo, among others, chomping at the bet to get into that. And we will, after this word from Granger, for the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop on by. Well, since the music took us there, let's just go. I'm ready to go right now. Green light, green light. with Greeny. Give me the green light. All right, so I will say this. I live here in New York City, and as I walk the streets of this beautiful city, the thing that is yelled the most at me, of course, is go Jets or some Jets-related thing or... Is Aaron ever coming back or all that kind of stuff? And I love it when people come up and say hello in the street. And so by all means, if you see me, come on over and say hi. For the last, it feels like it's been a good six weeks. I've been getting a lot of, are the Yankees going to get Soto? Are the Yankees going to get Soto? Are the Yankees going to get Soto? And finally, I can answer their question. The answer is yes. The trade has been made. Hembo, for those who don't follow this stuff closely, how would you describe how important this deal is? Incredibly. This is the ultimate go-for-it move. This is the ultimate George Steinbrenner-like move that the Yankees have not made in a generation. Juan Soto is, it is not hyperbole to say, one of the five greatest hitters on the planet right now. He is very likely to be the best left-handed hitter the Yankees have had since Reggie Jackson. Yeah. You heard me correctly. And I think he and Aaron Judge will likely be the best tandem that they've had since Maris and Mantle in the early 60s. Juan Soto is an absolute freaking superstar, but he's in a contract year. And that's why it's the ultimate go-for-it move. Because in order to justify this trade, and the Yankees gave up a lot of prospects capital to pull it off, Greedy, one of two things is going to need to happen to justify it. Either the Yankees are going to need to win the pennant, something they've not done since 2009, or... Juan Soto is going to need to make a long-term commitment to the franchise with his next contract. 
Well, is there any obvious reason to think that won't happen? I mean, if, if, if we're sitting here and we're looking at the usual suspects, the Yankees should always be the top of the list of the usual suspects to go out and sign somebody, especially if they've had a year with them. They know what they gave up for them. Obviously, that's a lot of leverage on Soto's side, but it is what it is. That'll become a sunk cost. If he's worth getting the next $400 million deal, why would anyone besides the Yankees be the team to give it to him? Because Scott Boris is his agent. And Scott Boris is not going to give the Yankees any kind of discount. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I guess what I'm saying is, if you're going to try and win it this year with him, then you go for that. I, I would say their chances of signing, of bringing him back then become no better or worse based on having had him. So it's literally, you're asking yourself, is it worth it for the one year of him what you gave up? That's, it feels like that's what it comes down to. Most definitely, but that's still a substantial risk because on the other side of town, there's a billionaire riding the Mets. He's trying to build a baseball empire over there. Scott Boris isn't going to give the Yankees any kind of discount, like I say. So what you're promised is one year of Juan Soto, which is probably something like five to seven more, between 30 and 40 home runs, 100 walks, high-level production. But if you wind up having him walk out those doors at the end of the season, well, not only do you have to look at the trade as being an abject failure if you don't win the pennant, but it also probably means, Greeny, that it will be the end of the line for Brian Cashman. This is not a move that Brian Cashman would have made one year ago, but he's hearing it from the fan base. They went 82-80 and last season. They were the worst team in their division last season. They've been lapped by practically everybody, everybody who's uh, younger, everybody who's more athletic. Modern thinkers in the front offices across baseball have caught up to the Yankees. Now their one big advantage is just to outspend people. They have some pitching prospects. They traded them for Juan Soto. They'll pay him $30 million this year. They're going to blow through the luxury tax. That's the one big advantage the Yankees have. This is a Yankees move that they would have made 25 or 30 years ago. So I'm looking at your Twitter feed, and you've got names on here like Ruth and Gehrig, Gehrig and DiMaggio, Marison Mantle, Jeter and A-Rod, Judge and Soto. You're saying this duo should be that level of good. These are historically great. Two of the five best hitters in the world right now are going to be hitting two and three for the New York Yankees next season. It is not hyperbole to say so. I just want to give you a quick look into how incredibly, historically, ridiculously great Juan Soto is. So baseball at its fundamental core is pitcher versus batter. I want to get you out. I want to avoid the out. Juan Soto avoids making an out better than practically anyone that has ever lived. His on-base percentage, which is another way of saying, how often don't you get out, is the highest mark through any player's age 24 season, which is where he is right now, since Frank Thomas. Since Stan Musial. Those are the only two guys since World War II to be as good at avoiding outs as Juan Soto is. You're putting him in the same lineup as a guy that hit 62 home runs the last time we saw him healthy in a full season. Yeah, this is one of the best lineup tandems the game has ever seen. Wow. So, I mean, what does that mean then? As, as I'm looking at the odds here on ESPN Bet. I'm scrolling to it. The Yankees were plus 1,500 to win the World Series at ESPN Bet. They're now plus 850. So that's a pretty significant, for those who don't follow that lingo, they went from 15-1 to 1 to 8.5-1 to 1 to win the World Series. So... The, the, the people who make those kinds of decisions think this is a monumental acquisition. Yeah, they're preying on the general public. Uh, the Yankees are nowhere close to being that good. At least not yet. Uh, they weren't Juan Soto away from winning the World Series. Talk to me. The Yankees last year were the worst team in their division. The Yankees have a roster filled with inflated contracts and old and slow and injury-prone players. If the Yankees are going to win the pennant this year, they've got to keep going. 
They're going to have to sign that Japanese stud Yamamoto, the pitcher that's going to get $300 million. They're going to need to steal him away from the Mets. The Mets want him. They need him. The, the Yankees just need to keep going now because they're so far behind everyone else. If they're actually going for it, you've got to blow through every financial constraint you would ever have. You have to capture as much talent as you can possibly find and actually do the darn thing. Juan Soto is a really good start. For sure. Again, it's only one year, but you have to keep going. If you're gonna, the Baltimore Orioles just won 101 games last year with a team way cheaper and way younger than you are. 20 more wins than, than, than you had. They're not close to being there, and still they're not close to being there after trading for Juan Soto. Greeny, you can be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Yesterday we talked a little bit while we're on the subject of baseball about the the secretive nature of the Shohei Otani um, pursuit, whatever you want to call it, the, the free agency of Shohei Otani and where that would all wind up. So Jeff Passan, who's as good with this stuff as absolutely anyone I see, is predicting that by early next week, Oof. we will have something on Otani. What, what do you know? I don't know anything. That's because nobody knows anything. Well, Passan seems to know something. Well, he knows when, but no one cares when. I mean, everyone cares I care who. when. I think when is an interesting piece you, of you this. You think it matters? No, in the long run, it doesn't matter. But I think if you know when, then you have to know. Like, there's no way to know when without knowing something more than <laughs> when, right? In journalism school, they're there. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Once you know when, that's one of the W's. Some of the others start falling into place. Sure. You went to journalism school. Uh, I have a master's in education that I don't use. So that's right. the difference between you and me. Um, but what did you actually major in in college? Uh, communication. That was my undergrad. Okay. Do you want to adjudicate this again? No, I don't. I'm just, I mean, I just, it's felt worth saying out loud. Go ahead. <laughs> I think Otani's going to stay in Los Angeles. I just don't know for which team. That's going to be, I think, the likeliest scenario here because everyone else is interested as well. They should be. I keep hearing Toronto come up as a possibility and one that continues to percolate, which would surprise me. I guess there are potentially reasons that I don't know why he'd be so interested in playing for the Blue Jays. But in the end, when he had the chance to come over to the States six years ago, he chose L.A., and both L.A. teams still want him. My fear, Greeny, is that Shohei Otani stays, uh, stays with the Angels, which would be a baseball tragedy. If we have to uh, continue to allow him to live and play in anonymity with Mike Trout for the next decade, I'm going to stab my eyes out. That's yeah. a guy that needs to be on national television as often as possible, and that means in October. That's, one, that's probably the worst-run organization in all of sports right now, to be honest with you, given the advantages they have with those two players. But their inability to even put together a winning season is an absolute joke. I think it'll come down to the Dodgers and the Angels, and I think based upon Jeff's reporting, he probably already knows uh, where he's going to sign. It's just a matter of when he wants to pull that trigger. For whatever reason, he wants to pull that trigger. Yeah, and, and to your point, you don't mean Jeff already knows. You mean Otani already, already knows, knows where he's going to wind up going. L let me ask you what I guess feels like a stupid question, but if they have Shohei Otani and they have Mike Trout, why is there no reason to believe that at some point they'll figure this thing out? I know Trout hasn't been in the playoffs since when again? It was, it was an insane amount of time ago. Yeah, I mean, it's like almost 10 years since Mike Trout has been in a postseason that has been. Here's what they're going to do. Baseball needs to just keep expanding the playoffs until he gets in. <laughs> they, should, they should determine the number of teams that make the playoffs by how many they'd have to go to get Mike Trout we're gonna into have to, them. It's going to be like 26. We have to add two teams to make it a 32-team tournament <laughs> to get right. the Angels in the playoffs. It's, it's, it's depressing. Will they never get it right? They'll I mean, never get it right because Artie Moreno is not going to sell the team. 
that's that's what the problem is here. They've had managers, they've had general managers, they've had scouting directors, they've had good players, they've had bad players. But they only have one owner, and they've always had that one owner, and he has no earthly idea what he's doing. That's the problem. Like When you look to the Angels, like most unsuccessful organizations in sports, there's a common denominator, and it's the guy that owns the team. Artie Moreno runs that team as badly as you can run anything, and it would kill me if he convinced not only Mike Trout to stay long-term, but then Shohei Otani. Okay, so might we'll kill s- Rob Manfred, too. What's that? It might kill our buddy Rob Manfred, too. Uh, I, I'm, look, I mean... <sighs> The answer to all of this somehow is to put so much toothpaste back in the tube. Here's where I feel bad for baseball, and I feel a need to set up our credentials on this as well because I, you know, I know that not everyone is with us 24 hours a day or two hours a day, I should say, every single day. Ours is a show where we actually analyze baseball like a sport. Ours is a show where we treat baseball with the respect that we believe it deserves, unlike many of the other talk shows you hear who don't really follow the sport closely enough to do it, and so all their topics are big-picture topics. Is this good for baseball? Is that good for baseball? They're all 35,000 feet because they don't actually get any closer to land when it comes to the sport. We do. So this is a departure, however, from that, because I do want to ask the or I do want to make the point mm. that as our society continues to... Um, uh, uh, evolve almost all the things about baseball don't fit into it and 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 that that's just an unfortunate reality it isn't anybody's fault we can't sit here and say long-term contracts in major league baseball are necessarily bad they're not by definition bad in a vacuum a nine-year contract is not good or bad for a sport but what has happened is that what we've seen in the other sports the constant churning of players good players going from here to there this quarterback is there and the the LeBron is here and now he's there and KD is here and Harden is there that's increased interest it's not decreased interest and and what we don't have in that we don't have baseball doesn't have that. So let's say you're a Bryce Harper fan. A Bryce Harper fan might have followed him from the Nationals to the Phillies and then three years follow him to there. And you're paying attention to a lot of other stuff. T- baseball fans, I think, by and large, remain fans of teams more than individual players. And that is just the opposite of the direction that sports have gone. The culture keeps changing and there's no way for baseball to change with it. You can't fundamentally change what you are. It's just un—it's just unlucky, for lack of a better way of putting it. It's just an unfixable bug. But that is what you what you just described is why Juan Soto is the most fascinating figure in all of baseball this right. year. Number one, and Otani. Well, once he signs and with with the with with Anaheim, we'll forget about him until ten years from now. Juan Soto was a free agent. Juan Soto is going to get a five hundred million dollar contract. One year from now, Scott Boris is his, uh, his agent, and he refused to do the ridiculously team-friendly deal when he was 23 years old because he won it that day. That's a good thing for baseball. To see he, aside Aaron Judge for the Yankees for a season, is a huge win for Capital B Baseball. Now what we need is Otani to do the right thing. All right, so if we're going to go 35,000 feet, let me ask you one question about another sport. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. Has this NBA in-season tournament been good for the league? Do we like what it has been? This is something that has been talked about for so long. I don't know how much it was in the public zeitgeist, but this is something that I've been hearing about from Adam for at least three years. Many years we've been hearing 
little drips and drabs are going to do this. They're going to do an in-season tournament. He's fascinated by what they do in soccer. The idea of multiple trophies. This is something he wants to do to try and... At first, I couldn't understand it at all. And then I started getting little bits and pieces of what it was and what the motivation was and to create something a little different and to get people a little more excited about the NBA during what is traditionally a period of time that's dominated completely by college and pro football and all this sort of stuff. I'll give my answer last. Well, let me go to the guys. Bubba. Has the end-season tournament in the NBA been an unquestioned success, or do you have questions? Yeah, I think it's been a success. I mean, it doesn't really do anything for me at all, but I think people are talking about it. The players, the players like it. Um, it's, it's. I don't think it's a negative in any way. And people are talking about it. So I think it's a positive. Yeah, I think the the, the players seem to be into it. Uh, the fans seem to be more into it. I think. And anytime you're just kind of getting more publicity publicity about things i think is a positive so uh i would say it's definitely a, a definitely a positive cam definitely and i think the key is obviously that the players are into it which once it got going i feel like you kind of knew that was going to happen i think a lot of them were probably somewhat hesitant about what the the goal was here initially but there's a prize involved in everything there's you know you get to go to vegas it, there's a lot of media coverage so they do make it feel like a playoff atmosphere and i think the the four teams you got in the semifinals is perfect. You got LeBron in there. You got Giannis in there. You got, uh, you know, this up-and-coming Pacers team with Tyrese Halliburton. And you've got Zion, who people want to see play, and he's finally playing. So I think the, the combination that you've got in this first year has made it really exciting, and the four teams that made it all the way have, have emphasized that. My prediction is that tonight does incredibly well, and with no disrespect to Indiana and Halliburton, who's a terrific player, if you get Bucks Lakers or even Bucks Pels, but I think Bucks Lakers on Saturday night, it will be a monster success on ABC. There's only one way to judge if something this thing ha- had no chance of failing to begin with. It's a it's a brilliant idea because there is no downside in life. There's nothing you can set up for yourself better than a situation where you have some potential upside and no downside. These are games that are going to get played. Where they're being played and what is at stake, that is the only thing that has changed. So people now, you either have the option of being much more into it or exactly the same amount of into it as you would otherwise have been. There is no less into it option. So this was something that was destined to succeed. I think it has been, all all things considered, better than I anticipated, and I think they have a chance to have a very good weekend. It's also been very revealing. Because the combination of the in-season tournament and Joe Dumars scolding the players before the season has done more to curb load management than the years that, that, that you have spent and others have spent hand-wringing. Yeah. And we, in, in like two months, these guys have proven, oh, well, maybe we don't have to do this with our players. Oh, by the way, if we can provide a little bit of incentive, maybe these guys will pay, will play when, people, uh, when fans are paying to show up and watch them play. So it's, it's, it's one thing for like us to you know, be interested in it, but it's also like kind of damning that for many, many years... Guys would not have been playing at this time of year for these reasons. Maybe it's just a coincidence that Zion and Kawhi and others like them are healthy. I'm not so sure. No, I'm not so sure either. Right? We'll continue in just a moment. Coming up next, absolute proof of my ahead-of-my-time genius. I will solve what I think has become a major problem in the NFL right after this on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, 
legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Hembo, where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to LaSalle University. What did you major in? Communication. Hembo went to LaSalle? I went to two colleges. I have a master's degree in education. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like it was worth mentioning because I'm not working in education. But didn't you go to four years to the other school? I attended four years at Cedarville University. Okay. And how long did you go to LaSalle? Uh, for two years. So when someone says, where did you go to college? Usually you answer with where you went to college. At Cedarville, I majored in communication. At LaSalle, I got a master's in education. You said the major from your undergrad, but you said where you went to grad school. You got that wrong in so many ways. Like the simplest question. This is Greeny. It's just so hard every day. Like, you know, you ever watch a really bad offensive football team? <laughs> the Lord knows I do. Uh, everything they do looks hard. Like every time they get a first down, you feel like, like the weight of the world has been lifted off your shoulders. That's what it's like having a conversation with you. Like, if I ever get you to a place that seems reasonable, like in a, in a casual conversation, if we could just talk about sports analytics, or, or Lord help us, sports history, then you can do that until the cows come home. But if I ask you a question like, what did you major in in college? The fact that it took us like a good two and a half minutes to actually get the answer to what should be the simplest question in the world. It's like watching the Jets try to get a first down. Yeah, I don't know anything about anything else, That's right. including me. That's correct. He struggles when describing even himself. Okay, so I've said this before. I'll say it again. Mine is that rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after my time. So a lot of people look at problems and they rue them. They say, why, why can't things be better? And I look at problems and say, I'm going to solve them. Or at least in this case, I receive texts from people who can. My old buddy, Mike Murphy, who was a legendary sports talk show host in Chicago all through the years that I worked in town and everything else um, and, and continues to be uh, an important person in the Chicago sports media, um, listens to our show and texted me yesterday something that I think is a really interesting suggestion, and I'm going to adopt it as my own. And it is as follows. We've talked about Josh Allen. We've talked about interceptions. We've talked about turnovers. We've talked about the value of them, the significance of them, the importance of them. And it occurs to me, and Mike was the one who sent me this idea, that there should be some way of distinguishing between turnovers. So not all turnovers are equal. In fact, Dan Orlovsky and others frequently say every turnover has its own story. So Murph texted me and said, why do we use the blanket term turnover? Why don't we have giveaways and takeaways? So I'll give you an example. In baseball, and I'm assuming I'm not telling anyone anything they don't already know, we have someone sitting in the press box who is the official scorer 
A ball is hit, a sharp ground ball is hit uh, in, in the hole between short and third. Shortstop gets a glove on it, does, isn't able to make the play, and the runner is safe at first. The official scorer makes a decision. Is that a hit or is it an error? If it's ruled an error, then the batter doesn't get credit for a hit. If it's ruled a hit, then the fielder doesn't get credited or saddled with an error. We could do the same thing for quarterbacks. So let's just use Josh Allen as our example here because he's the one we've been talking about. Josh Allen drops back to pass. Pass rushes all over him. He throws a ball that is tipped straight up in the air by a defensive tackle and is caught by a linebacker. That is it the same thing as Josh Allen missing an open window and getting picked off. Further, how about Josh Allen throws a perfect ball to Gabe Davis. It hits him directly in the chest, pops out of his hands, and is intercepted. Should that count against Josh Allen's ledger? And I'm not just using Allen. This would count for all quarterbacks. I think we'd be able to tell the story a little better if we had a person, an official scorer, At these games, I don't think this is that complicated. Who makes the judgment call, which is all you're doing in baseball also, was that a giveaway or was it a takeaway? I throw a bad ball, I make a bad decision, I throw a ball to where only a defender can catch it, that's a giveaway. Mm -hmm. Any other circumstance is a takeaway, meaning the other team has taken the ball away, but we are not blaming that one on the quarterback. Now, there is one complicating factor, and that is that there are times... When the quarterback and the receiver are clearly not on the same page. The receiver runs one route. The quarterbacks expect him to do something else. Sometimes that leads to an interception. I believe that we have to put that on the quarterback. At the end of the day, there's no way for anyone to decipher whose fault that was. So I believe those still go on the ledger of the quarterback. So the only ones I'm taking away from the quarterback, the only ones that no longer get hung on the quarterback, are the ones that clearly, definitively were not his fault. If a ball is tipped straight up in the air and caught by somebody, if the ball hits the receiver in the hands, clearly should have been caught and instead bounces off and is caught by the opposing team, that would no longer go on the quarterback's ledger, and I think we would have a more accurate um, description, a more accurate way of, of, of qualif- quantifying a quarterback's turnover problem. What do you think? I like it. Um, I have a follow-up question. Go. Josh Allen, again, to use our example, uh, throws the ball up, and it's a bad ball, and the opposing safety drops it himself. Mm-hmm. So this should have been an interception. Are we still charting it as such? No. We, we can't... We, we can't are you saying are we charting it as an interception, like as a giveaway? As a giveaway. No, because um, in this case, the defensive back made an error. I understand that, but but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm I'm trying to figure out when the ball is actually turned over. How many times was it actually the quarterback's fault? We can't start counting all the times that the ball might have been turned over but wasn't. Uh, we do chart fumbles and fumbles lost. You can see how many times someone fumbles and how many are lost. I guess that could be. The same thing, but no. My answer to your initially, my answer to your question would be no. Well, that's another question then, because who recovers the fumble? Pretty much a coin flip, right? Correct. It's like you know, recovering more than fifty percent of your team's fumbles is not a skill, right? That's just a thing that it's happened. just luck. You know, I mean, Pro Football Focus uh, 
charts a stat they call turnover-worthy plays, right. it's much more subjective. What you're looking for is something that goes in the box score, right? Like something that's on, like on the back of the on the back of the baseball card. Correct. For lack of a better term, absolutely. An official stat, an official statistic. I'm into the giveaway takeaway that idea. Could be charted by ESPN again. This was Murph's idea. I think we're 90 percent of the way there. Bubba, you have a question? Yeah. So I mean, I I do like the concept of it. But let's go conversely the other way, and let's say uh, you know whether let's just do for your example Zach Wilson and and, and Garrett Wilson. What about conversely the positive? Positive way when Zach Wilson throws a what's essentially a bad ball, but Garrett Wilson makes an unbelievable catch and counts as a touchdown. Should those count as a touchdown for yes. Zach Wilson? Still counts as when, a touchdown. In, but but he, he he should not get that. That's was that was Garrett Wilson going above and beyond. Well, not necessarily. See. Above and beyond becomes a relative term because no matter how incredible the catch was, and we've all seen incredible catches, the ball has to be put in a position that it can be caught, that it can physically be caught. I get it that between Odell Beckham and others, they've made catches that you don't think look human. But at the end of the day, if the ball is thrown 10 feet over their head, even they can't catch it. So even if it's like behind them or any other way, and and you think that still should be the score, shouldn't say... Nope, that shouldn't count as a touchdown. No, I don't think there's any reasonable way to do that. Look, if you want to get into a whole other discussion, how about when a guy dumps a ball off, it's a three-yard play, the defense misses two tackles, or, or you know, someone makes an unbelievable run and takes it for a touchdown, and that winds up on the quarterback's leisure. Do we want to start figuring out ways to differentiate those? Should that count as a touchdown pass for the quarterback? See, this could work in either direction. I'm not just trying to build up the quarterback statistics. I'm trying to paint an accurate picture. Does QBR do those things? QBR does all those things. Okay, an accurate picture of the degree to which a quarterback's mistakes are adversely impacting his team and when it isn't his fault to begin with. It's a fascinating idea. Murph, thanks for the text. We're back in just a moment. You're listening to Greeny on ESPN Radio. for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.